paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. You all knew that, right? (laughs) Some common paradoxes that you may or may not be familiar with, and some might require just some thought. The pursuit of happiness makes you unhappy. Social media disconnects us from each other. (laughs) Solitude makes you more sociable. The only constant is change. The only certainty is uncertainty. The more choices we have, the harder it is to choose. Do you like going to restaurants where you got a book for a menu? I don't. (laughs) I like four or five options. I don't like a book. Failure leads to success. The more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. Talk less to say more. One of the significant paradoxes of the Christian life is that the grace of God is expressed in the most significant supernatural ways, often in the most challenging of times. Paul knew that. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, he pleaded three times with the Lord about this, that it should leave him. Was it an ailment? Was it a circumstance? Was it people? Don't know. But he said, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paradox, right? God's power made perfect in my, in your weakness. When I am weak, when you're weak, then we're strong. Scripture tells us also in James chapter 4, verse 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Would you turn now to the passage that we're going to focus on this morning, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And would you stand with me as I read this passage? I'm going to read verses 3 through 10, only to kind of give us the full flavor of the thought here. But we're going to focus primarily on verses 3 through 7 this morning. I'll be reading from the ESV. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. We are afflicted. It is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you express experience 
when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we expressed in Asia, for we were so utterly Uh, burdened beyond our strength, that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Please be seated. As I pray, Father God, we come to you this morning humbly to look into your word. May your truth be clear. May your truth encourage us. May your truth strengthen us. May your wonderful truths comfort us, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If God is sovereign and in control of all things, what is the purpose of the trouble? Some translations say troubles, some say hardships. The ESV says afflictions. What is the purpose of them? Well, in the passage that we just read, in chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who ultimately raises the dead. What is the worst thing that can happen in death? Being raised again, being in the presence of Almighty God, right? And our bodies to be raised. Chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary, right? But the things that are unseen are eternal. They are forever. What's the purpose of troubles and hardships and afflictions? To refocus our perspective. To have a proper, giving us the proper eternal perspective, right? To rely on God, not on ourselves, which oftentimes requires us to be humbled. So, when do we need comfort? Everyone says, always, right? But especially, especially when everything is going crazy. When we experience troubles and hardships and afflictions, we most certainly need comfort. So what are these troubles? What are these hardships? What are these afflictions that Paul is referring to? And what do they look like? They're circumstances. They're people. They're people who create circumstances that present 
Listen to these two words. Crushing pressure. The word literally means crushing pressure. Have you ever experienced crushing pressure? Are you currently experiencing crushing pressure? Paul certainly did. We see them mentioned in our passage this morning and throughout this entire letter. Listen to this list. And this really does not do this list justice as we think about crushing pressure. Each one of these circumstances, we could sit and just kind of think about, that's me. What would I be thinking? What would be going on around me? What would be going, around, what would be going on with all the folks that are around me during this circumstance? I'm going to read this relatively quickly, but it doesn't do it justice when you think about each of these circumstances. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often to near death. Five times I received the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes, from the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. If you want to understand what real crushing pressure is, if we want to understand the reason for crushing pressure in life, if we need comfort in all of it, Brothers and sisters, we've come to the right place. The word of God. Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians 11.28 that I just read. There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I believe this statement helps us to understand the context of this book and our passage this morning. What was going on in the Corinthian church when Paul wrote the letter? What was causing him anxiety? Let me just give a brief historical background, just briefly, to help us in our understanding. And again, this is going to be brief, an overview. And there's differing views. Right? We have two letters to the Corinthian church that's in Holy Scripture. Most believe there were at least three, perhaps five letters. Right? Not all in Holy Scripture. Right? The visits to Corinth. There are varying views on that. Some say two times. Some say three times. Right? So we're not going to get into that this morning. But kind of an overall view. A quick over, overview of what was going on. Paul had established the church by the grace of God in Corinth. He'd ministered there about a year and a half, right? After the church, um, after he left the church, there had been some serious issues that were going on. Uh, he sent, Paul sent Timothy to address and deal with them. 
He wrote 1 Corinthians, where you'll see those issues being addressed. Things progressively got worse, and Paul made a, what he called a painful visit. In fact, in, in 2 Corinthians 2.1, he refers to this painful visit to confront the problem people. The problems, however, persisted, so Paul wrote another letter, which was referred to as a severe letter, which Titus delivered. Paul finally got a good report from Titus about the church, but concerning news about false teachers opposed to Paul, questioning his apostleship, questioning his message, questioning the gospel message, which I believe perhaps that 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six passage that said, danger from false brothers. What's a false brother? A false teacher, right? We're not brothers with those who are not followers of Christ that are false teachers. Danger from false brothers. So the writing of the second letter to the Corinthian church. As I've mentioned throughout this letter, Paul talks about these crushing pressures that he and others experienced. You see it throughout the letter. Chapter 2, verse 4. For I wrote to you of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. I was probably referring to that severe letter that was addressed. Chapter 4, verse 17. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Chapter 6, 4 through 7. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God. I believe, again, affirming his apostleship. Chapter 7, verses 4 and 5. I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all our afflictions. I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. Chapter 8, verse 2. For in a severe testing of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. The false teachers would say, of course he's experiencing these crushing pressures, right? He's living in sin. He's doing things wrong. Of course God is disciplining him. But as you read through the letter, you see that that's obviously not true. 
Paul had a love for Almighty God. He was speaking the truth of the gospel. He loved the people of Corinth. In fact, this letter was deeply, deeply personal. So what was the source of Paul's comfort? When experiencing crushing pressure, what is the secret? Well, if you look at our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all Comfort. What was the source? What was the secret? It was God. It was God Almighty. Paul, despite the crushing pressure he was experiencing, worshipped, praised, blessed God. That idea is to be well spoken of. Paul was exalting Almighty God. Almighty God himself was Paul's focus, not the crushing pressure. Why am I having another affliction, Lord? I've had this one and that one and the other one. Why one more? Why 10? Why 20? Why not somebody else? These crushing pressures are too much. No, he worshipped, he praised, he blessed. He exalted Almighty God. Paul learned that worshiping, praising, blessing, and exalting Almighty God changes things. Not the circumstances, but it changed Paul. And we'll see that ultimately it changes us. To highlight Almighty God. Paul refers to God by three different titles. I believe this is very significant. I saw it in a number of, addressed in a number of commentaries. He used three different titles referring to Almighty God. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. There's two other places in the New Testament where similar benedictions. One, again, with the Apostle Paul, and one with the Apostle Peter. Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, worshiping, praising, blessing Almighty God for what his God had done in the past. Before the creation, for the foundation of the world, chose us, chose him to be holy and blameless before Almighty God. 
in Peter. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 4. Same language. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead in an inheritance that is imperishable, undefined, and unfolding, kept in heaven for you. Peter was praising and worshiping and blessing Almighty God for what his God would do in the future. Our living hope, our future inheritance. And now Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. Again, praising and worshiping and blessing and exalting Almighty God for what His God is doing now. Past, present, and future. He was comforting Him. The second title that Paul uses as the father of mercy, mercies. Literally, the originator of compassion and mercy. What is mercy? It's not giving us what we deserve. The psalmist in Psalm 51.1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Psalm 69, 16. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good according to your abundant mercy. Turn to me. Psalm 103, 13 and 14. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. My favorite hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. The third title refers to him as the God of all comfort. Brother Tim, this morning, the Old Testament reading, Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. When crushing pressures were upon Paul, when they're upon us, brothers and sisters, God is our comfort. He's the one who, the idea here is, comes alongside to help. Where have we heard that before? In John 14, 26, Father, the Father sent the Helper, right? The Holy Spirit to come alongside to comfort, to help. So what is this comfort? And how did it manifest itself in Paul's life? It doesn't appear from Scripture that it meant that the load was lightened 
or that the crushing pressure stopped. Doesn't appear that way. Paul's circumstances didn't change. He went from one affliction or one crushing pressure to another. But Paul changed. What is this comfort that Paul is describing? We can really get the wrong idea here. We have to be really careful, I think. Someone ready to be burned at the stake for their faith, crying out for comfort. What does that mean? What does that mean? By definition, by Webster, comfort is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain. Ease of a person's feelings of grief or distress. Or thinking in terms of sympathy. This is clearly not what Paul is talking about when he speaks of comfort. That would not be the comfort someone being burned at the stake for their faith would experience. Physical ease? Freedom from pain? Comfort here. The idea in the Greek language is to give courage. It's to give strength. It's to give encouragement, bravery, boldness. That's what the person who's burning at the stake for their faith needs. That's the comfort they need. Strength, encouragement, right? Bravery, boldness. It is given in the context here of the gospel. Verse 5 says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Brothers and sisters, the entire Christian life is to be centered around the gospel, right? It's about sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, sharing the eternal life-giving message, right? Calling people to the reality of their sinfulness, calling them to repent of their sins and to trust in Christ alone for their eternal destiny. Sharing of the gospel. It's also living the gospel, living righteously, living godly lives. It's modeling it. It's responding in a way that's honoring to our Lord as a result of the gospel. Not folding, but being comforted, being courageous, being strong, being encouraged, being brave, being bold. How does this happen? The Word of God. (laughs) Preaching to ourselves truths and drowning out those fleshly thoughts that can cause us all, and we've all experienced it, to plummet, right? Preaching to ourselves Paul's instruction. 
Worshiping, praising, blessing God, exalting God, the one who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, worshiping and praising and blessing and exalting Almighty God, the one who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefined, unfolding, kept in heaven for you and for me, worshiping and praising and blessing and exalting God, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, resulting in courage, strength, Encouragement, bravery, boldness to endure the crushing pressure. Paul's focus was not on the crushing pressure, but his focus was on Almighty God. Our focus should not be on the crushing pressure, but on Almighty God. And as Paul tells us, that focus should then be turned to others. The body of Christ, as we have experienced his comfort. Look what verse 4 and 5 says. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which ourselves, we ourselves are comforted by God. The purpose of these afflictions is to change our perspective to focus on God and on ministering to others, relying on our almighty God and ministering to other people. The question is, do I, like Paul's example, or do you, like Paul's example, love the body of Christ enough to think My being comforted, encouraged to be brave and strong and courageous during my affliction, during my crushing pressure and enduring it is meant to help comfort you. Or you comfort me. This is exactly what was happening. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted. By you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. Paul went on to say in our passage this morning, 2 Corinthians 1, 6 and 7, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endured the same sufferings that we suffer. 
Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This is a wonderful, encouraging truth. We are to live in this life together. To be comforted by our almighty God and comfort each other. Right? With courage, with strength and bravery and encouragement and boldness. To share the gospel, to live the gospel until the, our last breath or until Christ returns. Persevering to the end to receive our ultimate salvation completely fulfilled. Being faithful to our Lord and receiving our reward. Just a side note. If all that be true, which I believe it is, we need to be in an assembly of believers together. We can't be outliers. Hey, I'm a Christian, but uh, I don't know where I go to church. I'm not, well, it's not that. As long as I know Jesus, I would challenge you. What does that mean? What does that mean? I know Jesus. If we know Jesus, we're going to be obedient to Jesus, right? We're going to be together. We're going to be, as this passage talks about, be together to be comforted by our God so that we can comfort others and you can comfort others and they can comfort others and on and on and on and on. I'm being comforted by Almighty God. Comforting you with the comfort I receive. You comforting someone else with the comfort you receive from God. And the comfort you receive from me as I was comforted by God. Let me say that again. (laughs) I am being comforted by Almighty God. Comforting you with the comfort I receive. You comforting someone else with comfort you receive from God. And the comfort you receive from me as I was comforted by God. Almighty God. That's a wonderful picture. All because our sovereign Lord is allowing, and I would say biblically, causing crushing pressure in our lives. That's a beautiful, beautiful web interwoven together, made strong. As we're comforting, being strong, being courageous, being bold and encouraging others in that as well. We need God, we need each other as we are comforted and also comfort other people. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12 says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. This wonderful gospel, this good news, this life change. The old is gone, the new has come, no longer the natural man, now having the mind of Christ, having the desire to serve God, having the desire to be obedient to God, having the desire to trust Him no matter what. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. 
perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The continued paradox, when we are weak, then we are strong. If you don't know this God of all comfort, that we've been talking about this morning, please, please, please come up, talk to myself or to Pastor Mike or anyone else here can share the gospel with you. But come, we would love to share those truths with you. Don't leave this place not knowing for sure you have been made right with the God of all comfort. Turn if you would to Psalm 42 as we close. Psalm 42. I think this psalm is an appropriate psalm for the things that have been discussed this morning, the scriptures that have been read this morning. regarding the God of all comfort. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? You see crushing pressures here. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? 
Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father God, You are worthy of our praise, our worship, exalting you, blessing you for who you are. Lord, we see a wonderful example in your word from the Apostle Paul. That comfort that you give, encouragement, courage, strength, boldness, To keep on keeping on. Trusting you. When we cry out, God, where are you? The next sentence should be right here with me. Strengthening me. Encouraging me to be strong and courageous. For all of what you've done. Choosing us before the foundation of the world. Our blessed hope. For all of eternity. Our future reward. God strengthen us. Strengthen us. Comfort us in these days. Father is crushing pressure for our faith may begin at some point. Make us strong. Bold and courageous. And may we come alongside others to encourage them with those truths as well when they're struggling. Oh God, thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the church. Lord, that we have brothers and sisters who can pour into us and that we can pour into them. Lord, may we see and Realize how significant that is. When the crushing pressures come and we don't have people who are around us that can pour into us, what we lose in that. Of course you comfort us, God. You can give us strength, but it does appear that you use us after we've been comforted to help comfort others with the same afflictions and crushing pressures that they're experiencing. What a wonderful picture that is. A picture of strength and courage and boldness to continue to be faithful to you no matter what. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise and honor your glorious name. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.